Elemental, from the sermon series, God on Film, spoken by Pastor Shirley Yu. Today is the first Sunday of August, and we're doing the um, God on Film sermon series for the month. And today, I have the honor of sharing God's word with you from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, as Mara has just read. Um, and I just wanted to ask, how many of you have actually watched the movie? Can you show me by a raise of hands how many of you watched the movie? Oh, not many. We had more in first service. Okay. All right. So for those of you, just bear with me. And, you know, when, I, when I'm up here, and especially because it's family worship and things like that, I do like for it to be interactive. So I'm going to ask questions here and there. So don't be shy. You know, children, adults, whoever you are, just feel free to call out answers, okay? Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, Elemental is an animated Pixar movie about a fiery young woman named Ember who lives in Element City where there are different kinds of people. So there are the fire people, the water people, land people, and air people. The movie shows the joys and challenges of living in this diverse city and in the midst of it all, there's Ember of the fire people who meets Wade. That's why, I don't know if you guys got it, but that's why Wade, uh, Wesley was wearing blue today. He was being Wade. And Kana was wearing red because she was Ember fire. So anyway, okay. So Ember and Wade meet in the movie, and they discover that even though they're of different elements of fire and water, elements can mix and live in community together, no matter how different they are from each other. So does this theme sound familiar to anybody? Yeah? Okay, good, because our God, our Father, has created all of us very unique, all different. We may have similarities, but if you think about it, we're all quite different and unique. But through it all, God calls us to live together as community. There are definite challenges and walls to the differences, but God calls us to live together in community while being grounded in our identity, in our identity, in knowing who we are and our calling with why we're here. It's a common question nowadays, right? Like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life, right? That's what we're going to talk about today. And since Mara read our Bible passage for us today, let's go on in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for being our God, being our creator, and that we get to be your children. We thank you, God, that you have given us identity. You tell us who we are. The world tries to tell us so many different things, God, but I pray that in this time that we have together, that all of us as your church, God, we can all say that my identity is in Christ alone. Amen. And that we would also know our calling through this, God. That we would know why we're here and keep our eyes focused on that because there's so much out there that tries to distract us, that tries to bring us down, and tries to prevent us from living into your calling. But God, we say no more. We want your truth to rise up in all of us, Lord, in the day-to-day, -day, in the second-to-second, through to eternity, God. 
So God, even as we see all this youth, God, going to South Africa, Lord, we're reminded, God, that you are alive here, South Africa, everywhere, God. And even for the team and for all of us, may we all know our identity and our calling in you. We thank you, God. We thank you and lift up this time to you that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so first, I know I am short, but I'm not that short, so I'm going to raise it up a little bit more. Okay. Okay, let's start with a little bit of background information. In the book of Ephesians, the author is the Apostle Paul, who is addressing the church in Ephesus, which was a very important city in Western Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. So because it was located where there were major trade routes came together, Ephesus was a major commercial center, kind of like New York City, where there was a lot of selling and buying going on. So it's like a massive outdoor mall. I don't know how many of you like to go to the mall. It's okay. You confess it. It's all right. There you go. <laughs> it's like a massive outdoor mall or a market hustling and bustling with lots of different people coming from all different places. Like when you go into New York, you hear lots of different languages being spoken, right? So it was like that. So in this important city with all different people coming and going, Paul went around telling these people about Jesus intentionally and boldly, telling them that the story of God and telling them the story of God and how it connects to their own life stories. So unfortunately, though, there were people there who didn't like Paul talking about Jesus, and they put him into jail, right? But even from jail, Paul does not let that stop him. Paul knows the importance of God's truth getting out there. So he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And he's specifically also trying to bring together two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were people that didn't really know God, right? And the Jews were people who were like, oh, we know everything about God. So bringing these two communities together was quite a challenge, right? There were a lot of differences. They were judging each other and just like not going very well. So that's why Paul writes this letter to the church of Ephesus to remind them that, hey, I know there are differences, but just know your identity. You are all called here in Christ. So make that be your focus, and don't let these differences get in the way. So for us today, we're going to address these two things too. Know who you are. Know your identity. And know why you're here. Know your calling. And some of us may have heard this before, we know this and whatever, but I pray that this truth would never be old to us, that we'd be, we would be reminded, because I forget too. As a pastor, you know, who's been a believer for many years, I forget too. So let's remember this again today and celebrate it and live into it. So first, let's talk about our identity and who we are. We're going to look at today's passage backwards, starting with verse 6. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we have one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So basically, it all starts with God. Our identity is that we are children of God. 
As stated by Dr. Rob Reamer in his book, Soul Care, I am a child who is dearly loved by my heavenly father. I bear his name. And yes, we all have our own last names, right? Can you just do a shout out? What are your last names? Oh, wait. Hold on. I heard it all at once. Wait, what was that? Bang. Kim. Hong. Lee. Brown. Rodriguez. All right. See? Okay, we all have last names, okay? But did you know, before you even bear this last name, you bear the name of God? That is our identity. My identity starts with my creator, not with what I think I need to be or what other people or what society tells me I need to be. My identity is in God. God tells us who he is and he tells us who we are because he's the one that created us. So we're going to do a little exercise, just exercise some bodily kinesthetics. So uh, t- we're going to take a deep breath in. I know Wes did this with us, so we're going to do it again because we could always use more breaths. So I'm going to ask you to breathe in with me. Ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. That feels good. Every breath that we breathe is a reminder that even breathing is a miracle, and that miracle comes from God. Genesis 2-7, um, God created the first person, Adam, and it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That's where we all began. My identity starts with knowing my maker for myself, but as well as for all those around me, no matter how broken we are. But, you know, we didn't actually start broken, right? Do we remember that? We actually started off in God's image, as stated in Genesis 1.27, but then sin entered the world. When the serpent questions God's instructions for Adam and Eve about not eating from, does anybody remember the name of the tree? Yes, awesome. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what happened? Okay, Although uh, God warned them not to eat from the tree, they did. So this was the first rebellion or the first sin. So since then, our sinful nature is born. But thankfully, God knew we needed help. He sent a rescuer. He sent our Savior, his only son, and his name is Jesus. May we know the power of his name, Jesus. So in Jesus, we have, as it says in Ephesians 4, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism for all who call upon him. You see, Paul knew very well that in the diversity of people in Ephesus, there was also a diversity of faiths in different gods. And you see that around us too, right? Like how many people do you know of a different faith? A lot, right? So Paul is calling us as his people back to him, 
back to remembering that he is our one true God. Once we know our identity of who we are from our creator as his dearly loved children, then our calling comes as to why we're here. As we see in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So here's our second point. Know our calling. Know why you're here. Our calling is to live as one body in one spirit in one hope. In the movie, the community of Element City was fragmented, right? People were all like separate. There was the fire people living on their own, water people, the air people, the lands people, right? And by the way, uh, for those of you who watched it, didn't you love the little land boy who grew out plants from his armpit? <laughs> he was so cute. And you know, he reminded me and he teaches us that we could all learn from children. The adults were all like, no, 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 I can't associate with them. I can't hang out with the fire people, be near them. I'm going to get burned by them, right? So they're staying away. But this little kid, he has like a little crush on Ember, right? He doesn't see that she's a fire person and hold it against her, right? He wants to connect with her. So we as adults, sometimes we can learn from children. I think the children can really teach us. Where are you children? Hey, children, yeah. Can you children say, you can learn from me? Right, ah, that was weak. Let me hear it again. Ready? Say, you can learn from me. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so, children, you keep living, right, like that, you know, not letting differences get in your way to meet people, to like people. And we as adults can learn that. And we adults can live that too. So, Going back to the fragmented community, the fire, water, air, and lands people all lived in their own clusters, as we also see happening in communities around us too. So to be clear, there's nothing wrong with living in clusters due to commonality, right? Like when my parents, we first moved here from Korea, it was hard for them, right? They, they spoke uh, only Korean, they didn't know English, they had to move into this country where they knew nothing about anything, right? So it was hard for them. So when they found, they found a community of Koreans at their church. And so for them, it was a huge source of comfort. It was a place where they felt like they belonged. It was a place where they didn't feel like they need to explain themselves all the time. So it, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay to want to live in commonality. But what God's calling us to do is not to stay there not to stay separate, to keep living life together, no matter how different we may be, to live as the one body in one spirit, in one hope. Amen. In the beginning of the movie, after their home was destroyed, we see Ember's parents immigrate to Element City where they were not welcomed as fire people, with others giving them dirty looks and staying away, um, but Ember's parents approached the immigration officer, and he asks them their names. And when he discovers they, that they sound foreign to him, he just changes their names, right, as if it meant nothing. He just changed their names for, to make sure that they acclimate here because he couldn't pronounce their names. 
Then they show the struggle of having to face prejudiced people slamming the doors in their faces for, while they're looking for a home. So the father has no choice but to build his own home with his pregnant wife by patching up a broken down, abandoned building. They literally made it with their own efforts and started their own business with the dream of his daughter, Ember, taking over one day. Does this story sound familiar to anyone? Yeah, right, to many of us. My family immigrated to the States from Korea because my dad was given an opportunity to work in the States through a Korean shipping company that sent him over. And we made it through thanks to a particular family that is here that I want to honor and say thank you. So my dad worked for this company and he worked here for four years. Uh, the, the plan was for him to work here for four years. So my mom followed him soon afterwards with me and my two sisters. When they got here, my, my parents felt like they had to come up with American names because people had a hard time pronouncing Hung Suk and Myung Hee, right? So they named themselves Harry and Mary. <laughs> Cute, right? My parents worked hard, man. Worked a lot of long hours, especially after four years. My, my dad's time with the company here was up, and he decided to stay in the States and not go back to Korea. So the company dropped him at that point, so he needed to make it on his own now, right? So he started by opening up a discount store with my mom in the Bronx, where they faced a lot of racism and a lot of hardship. But eventually they made it to owning their own dry cleaner in New Jersey and moved us all to Norwood. This story is also familiar to our God. I couldn't help but think of Mary and Joseph when they were rejected at the inns, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And just like the way Ember's parents also were rejected from homes while Ember's mom was pregnant too. And just the way they faced rejection, remember, Jesus faced rejection too. But the difference is that Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was, the son of God. He also knew his calling, why he was here, to save us, to save his people, to be one with the Father. And let's face it, it's hard to be one on our own, isn't it? Racism gets in the way just by the color of our skin. Socioeconomic differences get in the way by how much or how little money one has. Physical and mental differences also divide us with fear of the unknown and insecurities. So a lot of times people are like, I don't want to hang out with that weird person. I don't want to hang out with that weird kid. Even in the differences of how old we are divides us. There are plenty of excuses out there to keep us divided. But that's not how God created us to be. He called us to be one body in one spirit with the one hope that comes from him alone. Amen. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Let's discuss what these mean. What is living as one body? 
Living as one body is acknowledging that there are different parts to our body, right? So adults and children, let's do this together, right? You know, like, like that song, you know, put your head on, hand on your head. Come on, here we go. Let's move. Here we go. Head, shoulders, wiggle your arms. Don't hit anybody. Touch your legs. And then let's not touch our feet because that's gross, you know. But you could wiggle out your feet, right? We've got all these different parts to our body, right? Different parts. But we're still one body. And Paul points this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that all the parts are necessary and all the parts need to be honored and even the weaker parts needs to be honored even more. Can we do that, church? Can we do that? Yes. Let's do that. If we're living as one body, there wouldn't be power struggles with wars that destroy nations, homes, families. If we're living as one body, there will be no oppression or bullying where someone thinks one is better than the other. What is living in one spirit? Living in one spirit is acknowledging that we have the Holy Spirit in us. As soon as you say yes to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, it's automatic. You've got the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we forget, right? But I want to remind you, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our personal counselor. He's our guide. And yes, I believe in counseling. You know, but counseling gets expensive, man. <laughs> Holy Spirit is free. We've got the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't that great? We get so forgetful. I call it momnesia sometimes, you know, or just old brain or whatever it is, right? We forget. But we've got the Holy Spirit to remind us. And a lot of times we hear him speaking, it's just sometimes we don't pay attention. We're like, oh, wait, was that? I don't know what that was. And we try to skip over it. Don't skip over it. Pay attention. You know, like sometimes you get that nudge in you, right, to do something good, right? For example, you're, holding, you're opening the door and you hold the door for someone else to honor them, right? Or what about maybe helping out? You see that your mom or your dad, brother or sister, coworker, right, or even a stranger, that they need help with something, right, and you want to help. That's the Holy Spirit guiding you. Amen. It could be that simple. So if we press into that, pay attention, and we do that, it helps us to live as one body. That's the Holy Spirit. So pay attention to him. Follow his lead and live in one spirit and live in one body. And what is living with his one hope? Living in one hope is knowing that there's something to look forward to. Thank you, Jesus. Gosh, everywhere you look, right? The news, next door neighbors fighting. Well, everywhere you look, it just looks so broken, our world. It's kind of depressing, right? But God's reminding us that, yeah, it's hard, but we have an eternity to look forward to. Hallelujah, right? We can live in his one hope, trusting in his promises, no matter how bad circumstances may seem. 
We don't have to live in these depressing and hopeless times. I mean, we do, but we can live in it while trusting God with his promises. Living in his one hope means letting God define, define our future, define us, define our life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Let's let God define what that prosper means. Let's let God define our future, not society or what brokenness tells us. But it takes an active relationship with him to know that. Okay? So please, children, adults, everywhere in between, all of us, let's make sure we're not neglecting God's truth. Let's continue to read the Bible. I don't know if how many of you are still doing the, writing, the Bible reading plan, I admit myself, I'm really far behind, but I'm still reading because I don't, anyway, <laughs> I like to read at my own pace because it takes me longer to digest things sometimes, you know, but I'm not giving up. Let's not give up, okay? Let's keep reading the Bible, my sisters and brothers, okay? Because that's where the truth comes from, and we need his truth to help us. We need his truth. So. How can we live out our calling as one body and one spirit and one hope? Two practical steps that Paul tells, tells us about in verse 2. First, be completely humble and gentle. Completely. C.S. Lewis defines humility as not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Hmm, chew on that. It's all about us. Right? It's all about us. But God's calling us to think not less of yourself, but think about yourself less and think more about God, Amen. which will help us to be mindful of others. So that's hard to do in this world, though, isn't it? Because in the world, they tell us, you have to be the best. You got to make it to the top. You got to always do this, this, that, right? To make it where you want to go. And in the midst of it all, you can't show weakness. Hmm. This is why we have to know our calling, why we're here, whether we're at home, school, work, or anywhere else. So I have a question. How many of you guys play any sports? Oh, okay. Lots of people playing sports. All right, all right. So what do you play? Baseball? Soccer? Softball? Dance? Hurdles? Oh, swimming, yes. Oh, hurdles, like track. Yeah. And tennis. All right, all right. Okay, when you play these sports, right, you're on a team. Right? You're on a team. So do you know that God's calling for you is even in there on your team? God called you to that team for a reason. Okay? Now, even if your coach and your teammates may be difficult, may not be your favorite people, God has called you there for a reason. And a lot of times when we play these sports, it's all about winning. Right? So... It's not about, winning is fine. There's nothing wrong with winning, okay? But it's about how you win. God's calling comes to you with this, okay? 
You don't have to put the person down to win. You don't have to make someone feel bad about themselves to win. It's about knowing your identity as God's child, dearly loved, and then play and compete in these sports humbly. Okay? I know being gentle in sports is kind of tough, but there's a different definition for that. So you can still honor your te- the opposing team, right? And mean it when you say at the end of the game, good game, good game, and give them a high five because you all played hard, right? So you can honor each other in that way. So speaking of honor, I had the honor of playing on our Metro Women's Flag football team. Woo! Where are our ladies? Shout out to our ladies and our coaches. Woo-hoo! <laughs> so we just had our big tournament in July, and although we didn't win the championship, we were very close. We were very close. But we all agreed we are winners. We are winners. You know why? Because we played with dignity. We played knowing our identity as God's daughters in the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We were cheering each other on so much so that some of us lost our our, um, voices and stuff. And when we were playing, you know, because you got to pull the flag off, right? So when we were playing, Pastor Steve was like, hey, hey, let's remember who we are. Let's not pull the flag off and like throw it at them, right? Let's pull the flag off and give it back to them with honor and dignity and respect, right? So that's what we did. And you know what? It felt good. We saw the person, even though they were on the ground and we beat them. (laughs) We treated them with dignity, knowing our identity, knowing our calling. We did play hard. There were some uh, minor injuries, thankfully. You know, lots of bruises and scraping up and all that stuff. But we played hard. But again, we played with our identity and calling in Christ. You can do that too. Before you play tennis or dance or soccer or whatever, right? Even if your coach and your team doesn't pray, because they probably won't, you can pray. You can start with prayer. Before you go to work, you can start with prayer. Even in your family, you can start with prayer. Prayer, let's not undermine it. Okay, I know we all say, oh, I pray or I need to pray more or whatever. Then do it. Just do it. Just start small, like just even like looking up to God and just thank you, God. Even if it's just that. Help me, God. Right? Let's just pray. We have a lot of opportunities to pray here at Metro. We have our Wednesday night worship services where the Holy Spirit's on fire. Right? We also have Friday early morning services as well online. So you could join from anywhere at any time, okay? And there's Tuesday men's morning prayer as well for all of our brothers. Please pray. We need you, brothers, to stand in faith. And we every last Saturday of the month at the Metro office, we also have a prayer gathering where we let the Holy Spirit lead us. We just release, okay, what do you want to do, Holy Spirit? Here we go. Right? And without fail, he does something mighty. Lots of us crying, snots pouring out of our nose. Some of us praying on the ground, face down, or, you know, we just let the Holy Spirit do his thing, but we pray. So please join us in prayer. But start with yourself. 
pray yourself. This is what will lead us to be humble and gentle. In the movie, Wade was humble and thinking about himself less and thinking more for Ember when he discovered that water was coming into Fireland and ruining Ember's home, right? Because what does water do to fire? Yeah, it puts it out, right? And so that's not good for her family. So, but Wade, he didn't have to care because it's not affecting him and his family, right? But he decides to help Ember build up sandbags to block the water from coming in to protect her family and her community. It was hard work, and he even risked his life, but he did it humbly and gently with strength. And speaking of humble and strength, people think being humble shows weakness. But let me tell you, people, uh-uh. It takes a lot of strength to be humble. An incredible amount of strength, God-given strength. Ember keeps living up to the fact that she has to be strong too, right? She wants to be strong for her father who's getting old and who's getting sick, right? And she also wants to be strong for herself as a fire person because she keeps getting rejected by people. So she feels like she's got to be strong. Because when she leaves Fireland, she constantly puts up a hood, tries to hiding her identity because of the oppression there, right? But she's still proud to be a fire person. So I'm proud to be a Korean-American woman, right? And it's good, but God didn't make me a Korean-American woman to divide myself from others or to stay separate. I could be a Korean-American woman with people who are very different from me. And to be honest, when I do that, my life is richer. My life is better. I'm stretched. And that's God's design for us. Paul talks about the community being fragmented, but to remember to be one in our identity in Christ. So how about us knowing our true identity first and boast in our Lord Jesus first? Boast that we are first God's daughter and son and that our citizenship is not from Korea, not from America. It's from heaven first. And when we do that, we automatically become humble and then can be gentle. Jesus showed ultimate strength in being humble in obedience to the point of dying on the cross for us and for our sins. And I know it takes strength to be humble because it takes strength for me to bite my tongue sometimes, right? Instead of lashing out at my kids or anybody else, right, it takes strength. And I'm sure during the summer break, right, when kids are home, they don't have school. I mean, they have camp and whatever. But I'm sure there are a lot of parents and kids running into some tense times, right? <laughs> and it's okay. It happens, right? But this is where we could practice being humble. It's hard. We'll practice being humble and gentle and bear with one another in love which is our second and final practice step as, as stated in the latter part of verse 2. Be patient, bearing with one another in love because none of us got it all together, none of us. It takes strength to stop and remember who I am with my identity as one dearly loved by God and live as one. 
and my response to someone who's acting wrongfully to me. In the movie, remember the line that Ember would say that her father taught her when people were making her upset and she's ready to blow up, right? What does he tell her? Does anybody, can anybody, anybody tell me? Take, okay, maybe you don't remember. <laughs> Take breath and make connection. That's what he tells her. Take breath and make connection. So she's like <gasps> trying to hold it together, right? Take in the breath of God. See the person before you. Remember that that person, no matter how wrong they are, how messed up they are, that that person is also in need of God's grace, just like me. And make connection in the bond of peace. We can bear with one another in love when we can work on our emotional reactions. Ember struggled with her emotional reaction of rage when people were making her upset. So getting angry and bothered is normal, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. It's normal. But when we let it go unprocessed, when we don't work on it, when we don't talk it out, right, with our God-given identity in mind, it can turn into rage and hurt others as well as myself. It hurt Ember and her family and blowing up to the point that the pipes burst in her father's business. So family, let's get rid of rage. Get rid of rage in you and your family. Rage breaks families and relationships. I've witnessed it myself. I've witnessed how it brings fear in a child's eyes and in their spirit. When there's raging parents fighting or raging adults fighting anywhere, and it causes a child to shrink inward with anxiety. Parents, don't let rage break your family. Don't let rage control you or your family. You know what you could do instead? Confess it. When it happens, it's going to happen, right? But we could always, it's all about God's redemption. Bring it back, okay? When you could collect yourself, confess it. You know what? Woof, that was bad. That was bad, and I'm sorry. Communicate with one another. Apologize when needed. Apologies make a big difference. And help each other out. Make connection. You have the spirit of the living God in you. So you can pray off the spirit of rage within yourself and your children and your family and your coworkers. You could pray it off. I've had to work on this myself. I know some people are like, what, Shirley? You rage, whatever. I could never see it. Uh -huh. It's a real thing. It has, I realize there's rage in my family line right? There's a lot of anger and frustration, especially when there's injustice everywhere, right? So rage is going to happen. We've had some ugly fights in my family, and afterwards, I would hate myself for allowing myself to get that way. I wished that I was able to stay calm and respond firmly, but with grace. That's the Holy Spirit guiding me, telling me, okay, Shirley, yeah, you messed up right now, but you can do this. And this is how you can do it. 
So he helped me, Holy Spirit guiding me so I could work in the bond of peace in the midst of anger. So I've had to process this with Jesus. I need to take a lot of time and ask for his help. And in that time, he reminded me of my identity, that I'm one dearly loved by him, that I don't have to hate myself when I become this monster of rage, right? And that he, I am his child no matter what. And I can live out of that truth. So I don't need to give into rage and I don't need to hate myself. I can be delivered from it for myself and my kids. And I was at a soul care conference back in 2019. After I was delivered, I was able to start working through my anger. And I'm happy to say, yes, we have angry moments and yes, we have fights, right? It happens. But I'm happy to say that that rage is no longer. Hallelujah. I'm living as one dearly loved by him and can act as one. I was able to take breath when an angry situation is coming, take breath and make connection and even say my hurt. You know what? When you talk like that, that really hurts. That really hurts me. And then that helps to de-escalate the situation. And it took a lot of humility out of me as, as well because, you know, plenty of times I want to be like, you know, I'm the parent here and you need to respect me, right? Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth, but it doesn't help the situation. That just makes me more prideful. So make the conscious decision, right, to not let it rule you. And I also realized, I learned through my counselor too, not to take things personally. For anybody who has teenagers, right, my counselor reminded me, they're teens, they're going to naturally go through a rebellious stage, right? So they're going to push the, your limits. They're going to push, right? It's natural. Try not to take it personally. So I try not to take it personally. But as a parent, I could still guide them. I could still say, hey, you know what? It's not okay for you to get that angry. I get it, but let's talk it out instead of getting to that point. Let's look more in being humble with strength. And let's be emotionally healthier for ourselves and our families and all those around us. And you know what? When that happens, right, my kids actually respond better a lot quicker too. And we, we work through things together. So no matter how far down the family line rage runs, the blood of Jesus that covers you and has paid for your sins runs furthest and deepest. Amen. We are children of the living God. As we remember that and live into his identity more and more each day, we can be stronger. We can live humbly and respond gently with patience, bearing with one another in love, Christ's love. Then we can live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Don't be discouraged when you react in ways you regret. Just bring yourself back. Remind yourself of your identity in him, that you are a work in progress because it takes time, okay? Ask for his help. Lean into others for support and live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. You can do it. You can do it. God believes in you, and he wants you to believe in his truth and believe in yourself too. 
And he wants you also to remember that just the way Ember said to, Ember's father said to Ember, he said, the shop was never the dream. You were the dream. You always were. God knows your heart. God knows your dream. And he wants you to live into that dream too. He wants you to be happy and not discouraged or resentful towards others or yourself. Know your identity as one dearly loved by God and live like one. No matter what you do or no matter what you don't do, the Father loves you very dearly. And live into your identity and live out your calling as one body and one spirit and one hope with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. There is a whole world out there who is hungering to know what their identity is of who they are. Kids, adults, everyone. And there are a lot of people who still don't know what their calling is. They don't know what their purpose in life is, right? But we know, people of God, do we not? We know. So let's live into this truth ourselves so that we can lead these people to the way, to Jesus, so that they will know too. Let's pray. God, we thank you that the way I live my life, the way we live our lives, does not dictate who we are. And the whole world that we live in, how broken it is, God, does not dictate who we are and how we should live. You are our God. You are the one who created us. You are the one who calls us dearly loved. So God, we thank you. We thank you that we get to be called a son or daughter of God. And in that, God, we get to know why we're here. We're here to live as one body, in your one spirit, in your one true hope. That is deep. So God, I lift up all my sisters and brothers to you, however young, however old. I pray that all of us will remember who we are, remember our calling, and live into it, God, because the battle is real. The battle is real. There's a lot of things and pressures and demons, whatever out there that tries to hold us back, tries to destroy us. But God, help us in your strength to stay focused on you and live into our identity and calling in you. So I lift up everybody, Lord, in your awesome, amazing hands because you are alive, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.